Listen to this quote. Some of the worst havoc wrought in the Christian faith has been the direct result of unscriptural forms of church structure. Some of the worst havoc wrought in the Christian faith has been the direct result of unscriptural forms of church structure. You know, it's, it's kind of popular these days to, for people to say, I don't believe in organized religion or you know, anything like that. Well, you can't be a Christian and not believe in organized religion. I mean, I guess you can, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tweaked thought because Christianity is a religion. Get over it. James uses the word. But it's not a legalistic religion where we work our way to God. But it is also organized. Jesus is the head of His church and He has organized His church to function according to His will. So if some of the worst havoc has been wrought in the Christian faith by unscriptural forms of church structure, it'll bring us to the question, right, what is biblical church structure? And really, honestly, it's very simple. It's a very simple structure. Especially in the context of the local church, you have, you have this. A plurality, which means more than one, of elders and deacons serving and leading under Christ who is the head and the king. A plurality of elders and deacons in each local church. That's what we see in Philippians 1.1. That's what we've seen in our study of Acts in chapter 14, where after the gospel was preached and souls were saved, uh, they went back into these cities and organized the churches and appointed leadership. They appointed elders, plural, in every church, singular. So two New Testament offices. There's no, there are no other ones mentioned. There are no other ones where we have qualifications on how to recognize people called to office. Think about it. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1, you have elders and deacons. And that's it. So hopefully this sermon can bring some clarity. I said it earlier and I'll say it again that, that we, this is a very important day in the life of Grace Church. This is the first day at the end of this service, Lord willing, where we will have a plurality of elders and deacons. It's a long-awaited day. For those of you who don't know the history of the church, in 2011, Grace Church was planted at the Best Western in Cedar Point with nine people. And most all of that was Marine Corps people which it quickly dwindled to seven when two of them got out and moved back to California, and then it, they came back, and then they went back. I'm hard to explain. But it started there with nine people. We moved over to the building right across from the parking lot from us in 2013 with more than nine, but not, you know, what, 40-something, maybe? Because one of, the, one of the things about the life of Grace Church, and especially early on, is we were predominantly Marine Corps, so you know what that means every three or so years you have a brand new church because the Marine Corps takes your people and sends them somewhere else. We came to embrace that as sending missionaries on the government's dime, but it was hard at first. Now we have a much more stable foundation here with people who live here to minister to the Marines as they come through. But then we, we moved over here and we, the, the, the vision has always been to have a stable church here with a biblical church government, a plurality of elders and deacons, that a church a footprint that is self-supporting, and from this place to plant out into other areas, not to just keep growing bigger and bigger here. So Lord willing, someday we will be planting out in other areas. But this is a milestone 
by God's grace that He has reached today. It's not us. We're not doing this. This is Jesus building His church. It's not any person doing this. But it's a long way today and we're excited. So today I want to look briefly at Philippians 1.1 and a few other texts. I want you to see that the plural elders and deacons is biblical and then we will ordain new men in leadership at the end of the service. So, Lord willing, this might be the one Sunday when you get a shorter sermon. We'll see. But the main point I want you to take away is Christ has appointed two offices in order that His church might be well-ordered and effective on mission, elders and deacons. See, the purpose for it is the church to be effective on mission. And this is how Christ has ordered the church. And you see that in Philippians, in our text today, where, where he says in verse 1 that the letter is written to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, plural, and deacons, plural. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll come back to that. But I want to make something really clear at the, at the outflow, at the beginning. Christ is King. Christ is King. Christ rules His church. Not us. Right? We have to get that straight. Christ rules. He's the head of the church. Not, not a pope. Not an f- influential pastor. Not just a raw democracy. But Christ rules His church. Jesus is the head of His church. Where do we get that? Well, we get that out of the Bible. Ephesians is one place where we see Him far above all rule and authority for His church reigning over His church and for His church. Colossians 1.18 And He, Christ, and encourage you to go read Colossians. And this, the preeminency of Christ that's being established, His deity is being established. He is preeminent in all things. But it says here in verse 18, He, Christ, is the head, singular, of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. So if it's not about Jesus, it's not the church. If it's not pointing to Him and in submission to Him, it's not the church, no matter what it calls itself. A lot of churches out there today that are not in submission to Christ and His Word. But the Word says Christ, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. See, He purchased the church with His life, death, burial, and resurrection. Watch this, that in everything He might be preeminent. One head, one king, Jesus. A couple of quotes I wanted to give to you, and I have slides for them because they're long, uh, but from Guy Waters, he says this, What does it mean that Jesus is the only head of the church? It means that He rules over His church by His Word and by the Spirit. He has placed the Bible in the hands of the church through His apostles. The Bible tells us what Christ would have us believe and how Christ would have us live. Jesus has also sent His Spirit to indwell believers. He empowers us for it. And it is the Spirit's delight and commitment to equip believers to walk in the paths that Christ has set for them in His Word. Notice, Christ has king, as King has given us Everything necessary for us to live in a way that glorifies Him. As a church, but what is a church? A church is made up of individuals who have come to faith in Christ and are growing in His grace. But notice he says Christ is the head of the church and He rules 
by His Spirit applying His Word. He rules through His Word so that He orders His church for the purpose of the Gospel. Secondly, again, and we saw that in that quote, but in another quote about Christ ruling through His Word. Watch this. Because we're, we're appointing leaders in the church today, and I want you to see what these, what these men are, especially the elders who are called to be the shepherds and set the path. I want you to see that they're not disconnected from Christ and just kings on their own or leaders on their own. They're, they're, there's a responsibility there. Guy Waters says this, Christian obedience is never blind. Please never, please look at me. Never blindly follow anybody. You who are members of Grace Church, never blindly follow me. Never blindly follow Mike. Never blindly follow Corey or Sam when they're being ordained as elders. You get in real trouble when you blindly follow people. I mean, that's how cults make a living. We're to be Bereans. We're to measure everything by the Word. And you have a responsibility to hold us accountable to the Word just like we have a responsibility to hold you accountable to the Word. But he says this, Christian obedience is never blind. Like the Bereans, we measure everything our leaders say by the against the standard of God's Word. God alone is Lord of the conscience. For government to work properly in the church, Christians must know their Bibles well and develop the capacity to discern biblically all that they hear and see in the church. It is in this way that Christ is glorified in His church's government. So you see, you have a responsibility too. To know your Bible. I mean, how are you going to hold somebody accountable to something you don't know? We will help you know your Bible and help you interpret it rightly. Help you not pick things out of context. Facebook is notorious for stuff out of context. Be careful when you see scriptures quoted on Facebook. Go look at the context and you'll see a lot of times what these people are trying to use this verse for is something that's entirely foreign to the context in the passage. That's how the devil interprets scripture, but sorry. Just be careful. Christian obedience is not blind. We measure everything by the word and the leaders are responsible to lead according to the word the word is truth. You should know it. If you're in a church that doesn't teach you that the word is truth, you need to run for your life. If we ever stop teaching you that the word is truth, you need to run for your life. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. This is the Word of God. This is how Christ orders everything. He reigns through His Word and His Spirit applying His Word. And He appoints men to office who love Him and love His Word and will faithfully lead His, his flock in accord with His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Pause. All Scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired by God. It is true because it, God is its source. Yes, He worked through fallible humans, but the Spirit worked to preserve any corruption flowing into the text from their fallen nature. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, 
equipped for almost every good work. Oh, wait, I added a word, didn't I? Equipped for every good work. We have everything that pertains to life and godliness, right? Either directly in the scripture or from the principles discerned thereof. To live in a way that honors Christ. All scripture is inspired and is to be applied in God's church. And that's through that scripture that Christ reigns and rules in his church. We're talking about sola scripture, a reformation principle, one of the five solas. The scriptures are the only infallible and sufficient rule of faith. And the church is always to be subject to the word and is constantly being reformed by the word. Why are you pressing this so hard this morning? I thought you were ordaining leaders. I am. I'm primarily oppressing them with this to be faithful to Christ and His Word as they serve in His church. I'm reminding myself to be faithful to Christ and His Word as we serve in His church. But I'm also challenging you as believers. Most of you are from here. Some of you are from outside. Look to the Word. Believe the Word. Know the Word. It is true. Christ's resurrection proves it. You will be judged by it. Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone this morning? He's given His Word. Men being ordained today never turn from the Word as you serve Him. You don't have any new and brighter ideas than the Word. We don't need innovation. We need application of what we've been given. Church the same. Know and trust and live by the Word. Know and trust and live faithfully in Christ. Hold us as leaders accountable to the Word as we seek to love and serve you and lead you in the way Christ would have us go. So what have we seen? Christ, and I know this is just a glimpse. There's so many other Scriptures we could look at. Christ is King. He rules His church. He rules His church through His Word, His Spirit applying the Word. And He calls leaders to watch over that and to make sure that that's what is happening in His church. Christ, second point, Christ rules through His Word ministered. And that's an important word. Men being ordained today. We are ministers, not legislators. We don't get to make up the rules. We don't get to dominate over people where Christ has not spoken. There's a lot of places where, you know, shepherding has gone to seed. You know, we will never, we will never try to bind your conscience to anything other than the Word. We'll not try to tell you where to shop for groceries and what car to buy. And I mean, some people just go overboard. But we are responsible to minister His Word. We are, we are to be servants, not kings. We have a king. And we're to be servants under Him, under shepherds, faithfully leading the people and following Christ. What did, what did Paul say? Follow me as I follow Christ, not as just whatever I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. And implication, when I'm not following Christ, hold me accountable. Call me back. So we are, to, we are ministers and servants. And in, in, in a great many ways, guys, this is not a step up for you today. This is a step down. To get underneath and hold up and help and support 
the body, and the work. Two offices. I said that earlier. Elder and deacon. You saw it in Philippians 1.1. The overseers, plural, and the deacons. That's a pretty short list, isn't it? When you go to 1 Timothy 3, when Paul is giving the qualifications so the church would know who to appoint to these tasks, he gives two offices. Elder, overseer or bishop, shepherd. Those words are all used interchangeably for the same office. It's not a hierarchy structure. I know I'm touching on some tradition this morning. But in the Bible, it's one office in the local church. The Greek words translated elder, overseer, that's also translated bishop, and shepherd or pastor are used interchangeably. If you're taking notes, I'm not going there, but I'll give you some scriptures. Go look at Acts 20, 17, 20, chapter 20, verse 17 and verse 28. Look at Titus 1, 5 to 7. Look at 1 Peter 5, 1 to 3. And in all of those places, you'll see these three words used interchangeably, speaking about the same office. So, so, so there's not a pastor and an elder and a bishop and a mm. They're elders and deacons in the local church serving Christ. They're used. They are all used to describe the office of elder. So when I say elder, think pastor. When I say elder, think bishop. When I say elder, think shepherd. It's all the same thing. It's all the same office. Elder emphasizes character or spiritual maturity. The person who's called to elder, and you see that in the qualifications in 1 Timothy 3, is, is a mature Christian. It doesn't mean they have to be an old Christian. Right? It means they're spiritually mature. They're mature in the faith. So an elder is to be a spiritually mature person. Oh, the word overseer or bishop emphasizes function. Uh, is to give oversight and supervision. But again, not according to their own wisdom, but according to the word as it has been revealed. And then shepherd or pastor emphasizes attitude or a caring heart. So an elder, a pastor, a bishop, shepherd, uh, they're to be spiritually mature, people who can give proper oversight and they do it from a caring heart that loves Jesus first, loves His people, and is willing to sacrifice themselves on that basis. But all of that is one, one office, which is elder or pastor. So we have two pastors in the church now, Mike and myself. We are on equal footing. I do most of the preaching. That doesn't elevate me in any way. An elder is an elder. A pastor is a pastor. I'm not the senior pastor or the senior pastor. I'm just one of the pastors. But my calling and gifting is to work in the Word and, and preach it for the most part. Now you can question that, but that's... So an elder is a shepherd, is a, is a pastor, is a bishop who gives watch care and cares for and teaches and leads and feeds and protects the flock. He's to lead. Think of, think of, think of I mean, so much of the Scripture has the shepherd's sheep analogy. Think of sheep out in the field with their shepherd. What was that shepherd's job? He had a rod and a staff, right? One is a weapon. One is a corrector. 
Right? He, was to, he was to keep the flock together. He was to lead them to green pastures, to care for them and feed them and protect them and nurture them so that they grow and are healthy sheep. That's what a, a, a pastor in a church is supposed to do. Lead and care for and feed and disciple and protect. And his standard is the word of God. Elders are to lead by example. They're to teach and protect the people. They're to govern the church. And they're to do it as a team. We've had two pastors up till now. We'll have four after today. And we will be a team. My word will mean no more than any of the rest of those guys. In matters of the church. Please fight to see it that way. Because culture sees this is our pastor. Sees me as the preacher and everybody else has something else. But elders are all the same. We have different function a lot of times. More, some are more what are governing responsibilities and some more preaching and teaching. But we're still on the same footing. And it's a, it's a hard job sometimes. I tell you, I say this here. This is a blessed place to serve. The sheep here rarely bite. Sometimes they run. You have to go after them. But they rarely bite. I don't know how many of you saw that, that gif on Facebook where the guy's trying to lead the sheep across the road and one of them's attacking him. Sheep do bite. But it rarely happens here. And I'm so thankful for that and I'm thankful for you. But we're ready for that. We're willing to risk that. You know, be willing to be lovingly confronted if you're going astray. You know, the, the shepherd that loves his sheep is the one Jesus said will leave the 99 and go after the one who strays. The numbers guy may just count that person lost and just go on bringing others into the flock. Be willing to be come after. Be willing to be taught. Be willing to be led. Be willing to be shepherded as long as we are leading and feeding and shepherding you to follow Jesus, not us, according to his word. And then deacons. Elders are more of the shepherding function, the leading function. Elders' ministry are more word and prayer. You see that when the apostles in chapter 6 of Acts put forward the, the, uh, the seven they're called, which are the proto-deacons who are to handle the, the works of ministry and necessity in the church so that the, elders, I mean, the apostles could focus on their duties of word and prayer. That comes right over into the church with elders and deacons. Deacons handle the works of necessity and mercy in the church body so that the pastors or elders can focus on the ministry of the word and prayer. And that's, that's not so they can play golf all week and just stand up here and say something on Sunday. Ministry of word is broad. Ministry of prayer is broad. Shepherding. Think shepherding. Lead, feed, guide, protect, flock. It's a big job. But the deacon, the word for deacon means assistant or servant. And the deacon is to take care of the works of necessity and mercy within the church so that the elders are freed up to perform their ministry of word and prayer. And they are also a plurality. I know I'm giving you some homework. If you don't believe me, you know, read Acts chapter 6. Read, read Philippians and some of the other passages. Look at Acts 14 uh, where Paul is appointing elders plural in every church singular. And go read 1 Timothy 3. And look for how many offices there are there. There's elder, bishop, pastor, and deacon. Elder, bishop, pastor. One office, elder, pastor, all those names, and deacon. That's it. That's a plurality. A 
of deacons and plurality of elders. So let me give you an exhortation and, and then I'm done. But um, first exhortation is you don't belong to you. If you're trusting in Jesus, you don't. I must be coming. Come in. I'll stay here. If you're trusting Jesus, you don't belong to you. Forget the rugged individualism of being an American citizen. You've been bought with a price. You belong to Jesus. Look at this. I didn't just make that up. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us or constrains us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all died in Him. And He died for all. Now watch this. That those who live might no longer live for themselves. Doesn't mean you're not supposed to take care of your family and your responsibility. Of course it does. The rest of Scripture teaches that. But we're doing that for Christ now. No longer live for themselves. Self is no longer primary, but He is. So they no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and was raised from the grave. So my life now is to be lived in dedication to Christ and for the glory of Christ. I'm to be able to say with my lips to live as Christ and my life should back that up. I'm not perfect yet. I've not been glorified. None of these men who will be ordained today are perfect yet and been glorified. They will need grace. But Christ is our King. He purchased us by dying for us. It is Christ who provides faithful leaders in His church through gifting and preparing and calling. And you have pointed out, some of you who don't go to Grace Church, we didn't just sort of tap these guys on the shoulder. The body said, hey, these are the guys we see that match these qualifications. And then we interviewed the list, right? And not all said yes. The first qualification is desire. And not everybody desires to be in leadership. But of those who did, those who we interviewed and talked to, and those who we've seen walk with Christ, we're testifying to you today that they're prepared. They're not perfect. They're still growing in grace, but all of us are. But they are prepared. They are gifted. They have been called to the best we can discern by Christ to these offices. So we're testifying to you that these are men that we see Christ has gifted. See, what the body does when we have the nomination process, they just look around. We give the qualifications and the body looks around and says, I think this guy meets these qualifications. And they suggest or nominate men and then we examine them. But you have an important role in that because you're called to follow these people, right? And to watch over these people as they watch over you. Make sure they are following Christ according to His Word. So you've been bought with a price. You've been purchased for Christ. Your life is to be about Christ. And that's true of all of us, leaders as well as congregation. But you, congregation, have a responsibility. And we do. In, you know, It's not like once you're an elder, you don't have any leaders. Like, I will have these other guys watching over me and vice versa so that we are healthy and walking with Christ. But Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders. Boy, we hate talk like that, don't we? Especially in America, we hate talk like that. We'd love it a lot better if it said, Talk bad about your leaders. I'm sorry, that's the world in Facebook. Y'all don't do that. Um, <laughs> but if you have confidence that your leaders are following Christ, it is a whole lot easier to follow them. That's the kind of people we're to be. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? 
For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I have to tell you again, this is a joyful place to serve. You guys coming on board, you are blessed. Not, not, nothing to do with me, these people. This congregation God has given you to serve in. Let me, let me say a few things to the men being ordained. This is Christ's flock. Not yours. Keep watch over Christ's flock and the matters of Christ's flock as those who will give an account. And yes, that's scary. It's meant to be. Praise God that he's a God of all grace. And, you know, you know, we're not saved by being good elders and deacons. We're saved by trusting in Jesus. But we're to shepherd and, and guide and serve his flock in a way that glorifies him. But remember, it is Christ's flock. It is Christ's church. It is Christ's pulpit. He purchased us with his own blood. Just let me pause for a second. Kids, youth, adults, do you understand that? Does that make sense to you? I know if, you, if you're not, I don't know why I keep going over there. If you're not familiar with church and somebody was to come up to you and say, are you washed in the blood? You'd probably say, I hope not. <laughs> Get away from me, you weirdo. But no, do you understand what that means? Do you understand what I'm saying when I say Christ died for you? Jesus took our guilt upon himself. What guilt? We all have broken his commandments in thought, word, and deed. We all deserve God's condemnation. We all deserve to be separated from God, not just in this life, but the life to come. We all deserve hell. It's what we deserve. Grandparents, even those sweet little precious grandkids you have put all over Facebook, that's what they are born into this world deserving, and they need a Savior. Praise God there is one. See, see, we've broken God's law. We've gone our own way. We are the kings of our own world and we do what's right in our own eyes. That's how we're born and that's how we live. It says Christ came to save his enemies. So therefore we don't have to earn it, right? Christ came to live for his people. He fulfilled all righteousness. He provides a righteousness to his people who trust in him. But he also died to pay the penalty for our sins. So the condemnation we deserve was on him on the cross. Christ wasn't just the victim of men dying a horrible physical death. He was fulfilling the sovereign purpose of God. Yes, through the hands of evil men, He was dying for His people because the Scripture says the soul that sins shall die. What does that mean? Shall suffer condemnation. But God. Christ took that condemnation upon Himself so that He can give salvation as a free gift to us. He died for every one of the people given to him before the foundation of the world. How do, you, how do I know I am one? Because by God's grace, you trust in him. Are you trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone this morning? That is the way of salvation. It is a free gift to you. You don't have to clean up your act first. You can't. Christ died for us. Kids, you know the verse, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he told us to be better, and if we would, He'd love us. No. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. 
just parentheses, to live, to die, and to be raised from the grave for us. He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him, trusts in Him, shall not perish, condemnation, but shall have eternal life. Trust in Jesus. I don't mean, I don't mean believe in Jesus like you believe Abraham Lincoln was the President of the United States. That won't save you. Not just to believe a set of facts but to trust Him for the salvation of your soul, to receive Him as your Savior, to look to Him as one you love and want to follow and serve. Are you trusting in Jesus alone? Then you've been bought for Him. So therefore, submit to Him. Guys who are being ordained, submit to Christ. Flock, submit to Christ. Live for Him, love Him, serve Him, trust Him. The leaders He has provided... Trust them and follow them unless they step outside of His Word. Follow us as we follow Christ and no further. Guys, sacrifice to lead and care for His sheep well. Wives, that's going to require some sacrifice on your behalf. There are going to be times when He can't be at home. There are going to be times when you have to help Him in ministry. Cindy's saying a hearty amen to that. But we are very careful with our guys ministering to single ladies. We, wives go or somebody else goes. We try not to set anybody up for a fall. Do all of you do for Christ in accord with his word and accord all for the sake of the gospel. To the church. I want to say a few things to you and I'll, I'll quit. You are Christ's flock. He purchased you with his blood. Submit to Him, live for Him, love Him, serve Him, trust Him in the leaders He's provided. Sacrifice to follow well. Encourage them. Pray for them. Make life easy for them. Give them grace and room to grow. It's easy when something cross-grains you to start picking at people and accusing people. Right? And we'll take a lot of that. I mean, Christ took it. We... But just be careful. Give, give, give these men grace. I mean, that works in your marriage too, right? Give your marriage, give your wife, husband grace. Husbands, your wives should feel cherished and nurtured by you. If they don't, there's a problem. Wives, your husbands need to feel respected, honored. Both love one another. Church, love one another. You do, I'm, again, but reminding these men are gifted and called. Live and do all you do, all according to God's word and all for the sake of the gospel. Remember, Christ is king. He is head of his church. He has graciously given us his word and his spirit to bring us to faith and nurture in his faith. And he graciously gives us leaders to guide us and help us and nurture us along the way. But it's all about Jesus. And to the extent it's not, it's not a church. Strive with us to grow in grace as a church who loves and follows Christ, loves and nurtures one another, and who's bold outside these walls with the gospel. I started with this. Some of the worst havoc wrought in the Christian faith has been the direct result of unscriptural forms of church structure. But I want to flip that and say this. The best things accomplished for Christ 
are done through well-ordered churches on fire for Jesus and the gospel. And we are a well-ordered church if we have a plurality of elders and deacons who will lead, feed, protect, serve the people as we follow Jesus. Guys, be faithful to Christ. Congregation, be faithful to Christ. That's what he calls us to. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lead us, Lord. Guide us, Lord. Protect us, Lord. Have mercy on us, Lord. I pray for every soul in this room that we would be, if we've heard nothing else, that we would hear the challenge to repent of our sins and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Turn and trust in Jesus. Today is the right day. Rest in His grace. Live for His glory. Help us as leaders to have a passion for you, Lord Jesus, and to lead the flock in that and help the flock to have a passion for you and a zeal for you. And help us all to step outside of our comfort zones, to serve and to love and to sacrifice and to be light and salt for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch over us and bless us and lead us and guide us. Save those who are not trusting yet. Grow in grace those who are. May you be honored and glorified. May we be a church that is God-honoring, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, and gospel-trumpeting for your glory and our good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.